Does the day you were born impact whether you're a great leader? Can astrology unlock the pathway to leadership success? Hi, I'm Josephine Corcoran, holistic career coach and astrologer, and my podcast, Astrology for Leaders, Aligning Your Career to Your Purpose, is where we'll find out. I've been an executive coach for over 20 years, facilitating and training leaders to achieve professional and personal goals and practicing astrology for the last 15 years. I also appreciate the profound impact of connecting leaders to their unique astrological blueprint to give them access to their leadership abilities around governing, strategy, communication, relating, driving and empathy. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing leaders using their birth chart as a lens to explore how they've harnessed their strengths, overcome challenges and found meaning in their work. My desire in sharing these accomplished leaders' stories is to demonstrate the extraordinary benefit of understanding your unique astrological blueprint to enable you to work in a way that is equally impactful and fulfilling, and to learn a few interesting facts along the way. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with one of Australia's leading figures in the banking and finance sector, Lindley Edwards. Lindley is the Group Managing Director of AFG Venture Group and its various subsidiaries. She has an extensive background as a corporate advisor with companies including Citibank and Macquarie Bank and has worked on numerous private and public M&A and corporate transactions in the food, agriculture, services, retail, education, technology and resources sectors. Since the mid-90s, Lindley has been very active in Asia and the Pacific, and some of her roles today include non-executive director of the National Bank of Vanuatu, which focuses on development financing and banking services, which also include financial literacy and business education, as well as banking products to previously unbanked. She's the chair of MindHive, which is a digital platform for crowdsourcing for public policy, wicked problems and strategy. She's the chair of Zinja Bank, which is reinventing consumer banking using digital delivery data insights and design. And she's the chair of the Coral Sea Cable Company, which is an entity that creates submarine communications cable between Australia, PNG and Solomon Islands. She has an undergraduate degree in accounting as well as banking and finance, and she has been driven to further her academic knowledge with postgraduate qualifications in corporate governance and digitization, as well as in undertaking various financial service regulatory courses. Currently, she's studying for a PhD in philosophy, which is one aspect of her career I'm really eager to explore with her today. She is a senior fellow of FINSIA, the Australian Fin Services Industry Body, and a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts and Sciences in London. Lindley has been a state finalist in the Telstra Business Women's Awards, and in 2000, she was admitted to the Australian Business Women's Hall of Fame. Lindsay, welcome to Astrology for Leaders. Thank you, Josephine. It's so wonderful to have you here today. So to just kick off, I wanted to just jump into to your perspective on leadership. And I'd love for you to share your take on the role of leadership today and why you think it's important for everyone to step into their leadership qualities. Okay, so really when I'm talking about leadership, I use leadership with not a capital L word, um, but a small L 
word, which is a doing word. And leadership is something that we all have to lead from where we are. So it's not actually just assigned as a formal title. Leadership means that we have to lead ourselves, but we also have to lead from where we are. So it's not this top-down approach. It's a more distributed leadership approach and it's more based in, I don't know if anyone listening has, has looked at Robert Greenleaf's work on servant leadership, which you're serving the, the others and you're also serving whatever you're involved in. So it's not this power, um, it's, you know, like a not, done, not so much a power word, it's a doing word. Mm. And that concept of service, uh, what does that what does that mean to you? So for me, service is something that, like, I really base that in like Celtic history, um, and Celtic because obviously genetically that's where I'm derived from. Um, but it, when I use that word in in Celtic um, concept of leadership, is you are of service to the community, to the whole. To, to be a leader as um, someone in a Celtic um, ancient history was, is that you actually were prepared to put the needs of others before yourself. And you were actually looking to help the needs of the whole, not just your, your own personal needs. So I see that very much as a concept alive and well in the work that I do in the Pacific. You know, if you, we, in the National Bank of Vanuatu, we have a lot of chiefs on staff. To be a chief means you actually have to spend a lot of time, effort and money looking after the people that you're the chief of. Mm. Um, so it's not this thing that you're lording over someone else. You actually um, lift, need to lift the whole, not just your, yourself or your own interests. Mm. We might circle back to that at the end of this conversation because that ties in so beautifully with the major change that's happening astrologically this year with 2020 being a bridge from an old order to a new order. So uh, we, we, we might jump back to that. But um, before we go any further, I did want to get a bit of a sense for the listeners to, to find out really if, if you've always believed in the stars or did exploring your birth chart with me somehow change that for you? And if so, how? Okay, so it's not an area that I normally delve into. Um, so I found it very interesting to work with you, Josephine, to um, get a different perspective. But do I believe in things bigger than the rational, logical, seen world? Yes. Um, there are influences and deep patterns um, that are often influencing us, will influence us a lot. And some of them are unconscious and some of the, them are conscious. So I would look at it more through the lens of a Jungian view of archetypal influences that influence my life and influence the lives of people around me. So I found it interesting to get a perspective that I could relate to um, and say, yes, there are patterns, because it's to me it's about pattern recognition. So you gave me some patterns that I can see operating and have operated in my life from, from my earliest memories. Um, and so I would have maybe said they called them something different, but um, I can, you know, I would have identified a number of the patterns that you brought forward. 
Beautiful. Well, then why don't we start by jumping in and exploring some of those patterns in your chart. But please allow me just to start by talking, by sharing with the listeners that you have uh, that you are a Capricorn sun sign. So you were born at the time of the year when the sun was in the, the earth-based uh, sign of Capricorn. And Capricorn as an archetypal energy it represents the concept of business, of ambition, of commitment and leadership and responsibility and being reliable. And You've also got a couple of other planets within Capricorn as well. And one of those is Saturn. And the archetype of Saturn is that Saturn represents that strategic, that, that inner strategist, that, 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 leadership, that inner leadership quality of looking to, towards the long term and what are the steps that I'm going to need to take in order to get where I want to go? And also that quality of, um, I've got this, you can leave it with me. I'm a responsible person. So you have got a very strong emphasis around that archetypal energy of leadership. And <clears throat> there is also an element there with uh, Jupiter, which is the planet that represents abundance and magnifies those other qualities. So you have a strong lineup in this, this theme. So it's really no surprise that you have a strong background in the banking and finance sector. But I would be really curious if you could share how you relate to that concept of being responsible and taking, thing, taking things under your wings and, and making them happen. Has that been something that's always been with you or has that developed over time? It has both been uh, at one level been with me, but it's also developed over time as you have experiences. And I would say that I've been very influenced by the ideas um, of the Hopi Native Americans whose idea was, is that we're the ones we've been waiting for. Um, or as I might say to some of our clients, you know, that there is a, a sort of a story and a metaphor that if anyone has ever seen an officer and a gentleman, um, at the end scene, Richard Gere comes and rescues um, the woman off the factory floor and she goes off on a motorbike. Now, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, this concept of we all want to be rescued. Um, however, in the interim, while we're waiting for Richard Gere to arrive, I find it really interesting to say, what do I need to do to be my own Richard Gere? And so there's this concept of if I'm, what am I waiting for? And can whatever I'm waiting for or whatever I think needs to happen, can I do something towards that goal, even if it's a micro movement? So this is the thing that I, that one of the benefits I find of being an Australian is in Australia, we have a very small country compared to many other countries. And I do study um, with people in the US as an example. When you're in a country and you've got over 300 million people, you can then say, well, someone else should do it. When you're in a country of 20, you know, 23, 24, 25 million, not sure what our population is right now. Um, well, who's gonna do it? 
So there's this thing about starting to act towards the goal or what you're wishing the ideal state to be. And then if Richard Gear comes along and saves you, that's great. But at least you've created some agency and a feeling of I'm making progress as opposed to just holding the idea that something better is possible. And if you don't act on it, I find you get cynical and you might get depressed. So if you do even little micro steps, there is a movement. And when you start to move, things start to open. That's been my experience. Mm. Just to add a little bit of more depth to the nature and the way in which that plays out, the location of the sun is in the third house, which is essentially connected to, to communication and communication being a key role in the work that you do and how you shine in the world. And that communication can be in the oral version of the word or, you know, speaking, but also in the written version. And this is where it gets interesting with with your chart and the aspects in your chart is because Mars, which rules your intrinsic drive and your intrinsic motivation is sitting opposite the sun in your chart. So it's creating one of these aspect patterns, if you like. And Mars is sitting in the sign of cancer, which is um, very much about the importance of security, being very sensitive to the environment around you. But also Mars sits up in the ninth house, which is to do with higher learning and constantly expanding your mind and expanding your knowledge. But there's this duality that plays out within, there's an aspect pattern here that's going on where on the one hand, you have this very sensitive nature that, that has um, an interest in looking after everybody, no matter what kind of background. And then on the other, this very strong pillar of strength with a vision of where you want to go and how you want to make that happen. So they're kind of opposing forces. But there is a third and final piece to this puzzle, which creates a T-square pattern in your chart, which is involving your moon in Aries. And with a moon in Aries, you're, you're intrinsically driven to take action. And actually, when you take action on a daily basis, it really supports you to find a way to um, reach equilibrium between how you exert yourself out there in the world with it being sensitive with a vision to, to acquire higher knowledge, um, as well as being a strong leader in, in, in that ambitious sense. How do you connect to all of that? Yeah, well, the thing that made the most sense around these, this opposition that exists, and I have lots of oppositions, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at one level, but I'm also an accountant and have a banking and finance um, background, which is, very aware of risk and so you know I call that the foot on the brake and then if you're an entrepreneur it's the foot on the accelerator so the worst thing is to have your feet on both the accelerator and the brake at the same time so this tension of the opposites um, made the most sense to me when I started to study philosophy because I have this concept of the dialectic of holding opposing forces without making one wrong and one right. And if you can hold the tension of the opposites, uh, normally a third way emerges that's informed by both the um, aspects of the tension. So for me, how do I, is, is having that in as an internal issue means that actually I can work with other people's opposition 
and also it's easier to work in the world where there's a lot of opposition right now you know that if you uh, and i forget who said it the world's getting better and better worse and worse faster and faster um so this tension that um we have right now where old things are crumbling and old business models you know and it's for me it's incredibly sad if i walk around like um last night i walked around darling harbour and saw you know, none, hardly anyone was at a lot of the businesses and, you know, um, some of those businesses have been there for so long. So those businesses are changing. And then you can see uh, at the and with some pain and suffering. And then on the other side, I can see businesses that have embraced digitization who are, you know, going ahead in leaps and bounds. So this is tension that nothing mm. is just one way or nothing is just the other way. And if it is, I tend to be quite suspicious because everything you know um epictetus the stoic philosopher says everything has two handles um and mm. so it's having the ability to hold two handles and also then say what handle am i going to move towards do i move towards a negative or positive but i can't move to the positive without having the negative i can't move to the negative without having some positive in it yeah that's challenging it how is. you move without making sure you've got both which which is interesting that you raise that because it also talks to another part of your nature where you have uh you've got a libra rising sign so that brings through a quality of when people first meet you and and um, create first impression and it's also part of your dna this sense of uh, equality and this need to find harmony in some way, shape or form. And also this really strong drive in you to see both sides of the story <laughs> because Libra represents the scales and represents balance. And so I think that's interesting with what you've just, with what you've said just now, that, that, that whole sense of you can't have one without the other. You've constantly got to be weighing up both sides, but then find a way to use that to move forward in a way that's right for all. Yeah. And, and, and not be afraid of the tension um, and actually to explore the tension. Um, and it's a little bit like I, obviously you mentioned that I've done a lot of work in Asia and I mainly do cross-border transactions when I am doing corporate transactions. And when I do that, I'm dealing with people that come from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really interested in is when there is an, op when there's an opposition of values, as an example, or, and when I say opposition of values, how something is expected to play out. What I find really interesting is to explore where that tension is, not say those people don't really know what they're talking about or they're really odd. Um, and so when, I, when you're working in other cultures to actually find those areas where it seems very, very different to how you would organise yourself and then explore and unpack why they might be thinking that. And I'll give you a concrete example there is a lot of working cross-cultural um, understanding of how cultures hold different values and um, there is a Alfonso Trompenaires a professor at INSEAD who does this ongoing cultural survey and one of the examples that he held as where there was opposition was between Australia and China and Chinese people when asked the question would you go and paint your boss's house 
um, like a high percentage, very high percentage said yes, and you know, that was painting the house on the weekend. The Australian, he uses Australians because Australians say, like, am I going to get paid? And you're asking all sorts of other questions to so just answer the question. And they, very, very high percentage say no. And when they find out some Australians have said yes, they want to know who they are. Because you know, that's an un-Australian thing. But um, with the, when you unpack why would someone from China do that, they're doing that because they've done a favour to their boss. That means they can ask for something down the track in return that they need. And when, so it's a form of social capital. And mm -hmm. they also are doing that because they are honouring their boss. So, so when you unpack that difference, it makes sense to me that, okay, you're doing it for social capital reasons. Well, mm -hmm. in an Australian, we're going, no, I'm, they're not paying me. Why would I bother doing that? Do you, so do you see where, mm -hmm. where, where both sides are influenced by their culture of what they think is appropriate? Yeah, and it, and through exploring that tension and taking it to a deeper level, you the truth becomes revealed, or the, the essence of the, the story behind the story, uh, yeah. rather than taking things on the face value, and it allows you to have a much richer depth of relationship, and also in terms of understanding what sorts of things mm. you can be offering these different communities that are going to serve them best. Yeah, and, and there's a, the Dalai Lama has a saying that be, be very wary of anyone who sits on top of their religion because that's where all the difference is. And I say that in the work that I do, be very wary of anyone who sits on top of their culture because as you deep, go deeper beneath the layers, we actually as human beings, we have, we're, we've got everything is in common. There's a common humanity. But on the top and the surface levels, that's where the difference exists. Mm, so true so true one other thing that i wanted to just raise within the archetype of your chart is that <clears throat> the ruler the ruling planet of libra which is your ascendant so it's very influential in your chart is venus now venus rules money and she also rules relationships and in your case venus sits in aquarius so it brings through a very innovative thread it brings through this ability to think about things from a bigger picture perspective and also to come up with ideas that haven't been realized before and it also brings through a propensity to work with technology i thought this was quite interesting given the work that you do and um there is also an extra um extra amount of oomph in terms of the innovative aspect of Venus because she's opposing Uranus, which brings through the ability to have um, break, breakdown and breakthrough within you. So what I was curious to um, understand, I suppose, is how how long you've been working with technology or how important technology is for you and where you see the use of technology and business for the future. And I realize that's not a small question, but see how you go. It's a, it's a very, very big question. Um, and there are all sorts of technologies and, um, you know, that part of being comfortable to work with technology is to see where the future is going. And, and for me, technology needs to be a servant, not the master. And, mm. and it needs to serve humanity. 
So as again, everything has both sides. So we can see technology um, giving incredible benefit, but we can also see technology taking away potentially uh, a sum of our free will. Not that, and I would question whether we have lots of free will anyway, but that's subject of a of another podcast perhaps yeah. um but so we're at this juncture where machines talk to each other and machines and machine learning and ai um what they are able to do is to keep iterating themselves using algorithms so when you iterate something you can keep improving it and that goes beyond what the human has potentially designed and mm. the issue that i find with algorithms is that they need to be used with a lot of care and consideration because firstly they do inherit the bias of the designer um, secondly they have unintended consequences um, and thirdly when you're in machine learning how do you keep control of your algorithm and the machine learning and know what it's doing um, so you know, part of when I started to see the future that was arising out of this um, really data is, and sometimes I say data and data because, you know, I, I have an English and an American view. So forgive me for, if I slip, slip from one to the other. Um, <laughs> but what, what originally data sets did was analyze the past. And then we now have the ability to predict the future, but with machine learning, we're actually having an additional thing where we're shaping the future. So there's ethical dimensions in this. And so when I started to see this emerge mm -hmm. and know that as human beings, we are so susceptible to influence that we don't even realize we're, we're being influenced when we are, that I wanted to get really involved in this. And hence, when I started to realise what this world might look like, I thought, well, I could get involved in this because I'm not a technologist. I understand technology and I'm comfortable with it. But that's why I went off and did, in the first cohort of the world, did a micro masters that Boston University offered on what does this mean and how is it shaping? And that this is something that I, you know, I haven't landed anywhere. I've um, when I say landed and finished something, because it's evolving, I will continue mm. to evolve that area of my study and interest. But it needs not just technologists to be in that conversation. It needs the broader community. It needs directors. It needs um, people throughout organisations and in social sector and, and also needs um, people like the citizens to say mm. what's acceptable and what isn't. And this is all developed without any real guardrails around it that, it that it needs. And it's very easy to get into a reductive universe. Um, and it also is very easy for things to be given or offered to you that actually have a bias in them that you don't even know or you don't even receive access to something because it's decided that you, you don't fit this um, algorithm. So I'm very, very cautious about um, understanding what these processes are doing. It seems to me you're a little bit ahead of the times with regards to your study and the timing of your PhD and when you're due to finish and what's happening in the world now versus 
when you started your PhD and what was happening in the world, which was back in 2008, you started your PhD, is that correct? Yeah, so doing it part-time. So really yeah. I wrote a PhD thesis and then, and because I'm doing it for myself, um, you know, that's my own interest, decided that I didn't like it. So I decided that I had to start again and bring in all the aspects of technology. So I went to the university and they were uh, uh, you know, okay with the fact that I wanted to change it. Um, so I had, to, I had to write another thesis. And I also had to get a new supervisor that actually was across areas that I wasn't across, which is sociology, um, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, like it's part of philosophy, but also across technology. So just for the listeners, can you share what the focus of your PhD is on? Um, okay, so it's looking at how value is created in an exchange in a financial and economic way, looking at the history of how we did those exchanges, then looking at what technology is doing to them and has the potential to do with them. Mm, okay. um, so it's a combination of like it's, philosophy, sociology, technology, um, and economics, um, all wrapped into one. So when you do this stuff, eh, when you get outside of your normal, uh, you know, my background is very business focused, you know, that's where all of my study has been. When you go in, you have to, and then you go into something like philosophy and be in the arts, which I've never been in, what gives a degree of difficulty is you have to realise, is this idea new for you or is it really new for everyone because you don't have any of the background? Um, so mm. there's a, an incredible learning experience that happens with it. And what has do, what that done for me? It's actually, um, from a business perspective, I would say that it's made me a better strategist um, mm. because now I have a broader idea and I also understand the ancestors whose ideas I'm standing on. So well, in a business degree, I've done ethics, but it had very little relation to really ethics from a philosophy point of view. And when you mm. get that, you get deeper meaning. And so when you get deeper meaning, you actually can see and look at problems, ethical dimensions of problems in a different way. Yeah, and look, there's you, you definitely have a propensity and a natural inclination and a, or innate ability, if you like, to be interested in the concept of ancient wisdom or wisdom that's that served up generations a long way back um, and, and blending that in with helping inform how you further your or further and expand your own mind. I thought what was really interesting for for listeners that tune in to me on a regular basis, perhaps through my weekly lives that I do on my business Facebook page, um, I, we are astrologically at an enormous turning point. And I think this is really fascinating with the work that you're doing, Lindley that we are just on the end of wrapping up a 200-year um, cycle where the planets which rule um, man's in which have it which seem to influence the kind of values that man places um, things on so for the last 200 years Jupiter and Saturn have met up in earth-based signs bar one once in that 200 years 
And that, that also, if we go back 200 years ago, we're talking around the beginning of the industrial revolution. So the concept of earth, as you understand, Lindley, is really about the material and it's yeah. about creating things and it's about attachment to stuff. And um, it's also about um, ambition and working slowly over time towards things. And it's connected to this concept of acquisition and um, through putting fences up around us and, and ownership that we place, but what we own, we place, that equates to what we, how we value ourselves, if you like. And we get to the end of this period where there's almost an over-attachment to things and valuing our worth through what we own. And we're about to move into a new cycle, which is a new 200 year cycle, which is where those two planets, which influence where we place our value are going to be meeting up in air signs. Now air is completely different to earth. Air is about frequency. It's about communication. And the first sign it's gonna be meeting up is in, in, is in Aquarius and Aquarius rules innovation, uniqueness, technology, explosions in thinking, um, doing things in a different way, but it's also about that strong, collaborative, collective mindset and looking at how we can serve one another versus um, ownership and how much can I gain on my own. And I think the timing of when you're due to finish your studies is really interesting with that as a backdrop. How do you connect into that essence of moving from the attachment to the material and moving into more of a collaborative, collective valuing of the unique abilities within each person. Yeah, well, I think it goes to the heart of what digitization is enabling. So if I was looking um, from a historic perspective, that as individuals, we are starting to have the powers that only nation states had. So if I can sit at my um, mm -hmm. computer and I can create a community, I can create a, a, a group, I can um, speak without travelling to anyone around the world. Um, I can also, if I have the right printer, I can do a 3D printing and actually print the materials for a house. Um, I can create my own currency. So this is a, a huge quantum leap in, if you look at it through the lens of deep history of, of humans. So it's whether we are able for these new skills and can we create these new skills and use them and deploy them in a way that actually serves all of humanity and lifts everyone and democratizes access, um, democratizes ability to create well-being um mm. so that's the question then you because you, you can look at health everything is 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 event it can come to us but at the same time what we also have to do is to make sure that we still bring forward what is the legacy that we're standing on the legacy of our ancestors of the deep wisdoms and i find it really interesting because when i think about it more deeply um australian indigenous culture and a lot of Indigenous cultures is intellectually property based. It is based in the intangible world of knowledge systems that are handed down from generation to generation. Mm. And the value, if I want to be wealthy, like truly wealthy um, in these 
cultures it's because i have earned the right to know this knowledge and i also ha uh, as earning the right are prepared to hand it down and te teach other generations so there's an incredible um sort of knowing and know-how and value that australian aboriginal people have mm. um that we as the rest of the population could learn from um, and yeah. that is true in any enduring Indigenous culture. Um, so they worked out a long time ago that actually the real value is in the, in, is in the knowledge system, not in putting a fence around a little piece of dirt. Um, That's it. Yeah. It's not about what you own at all. Actually, we had a, a bushwalk with an Indigenous, local Indigenous elder on the weekend, and he was explaining that really beautifully. And he said, it's actually not the age of the person that matters. It's how they come to the wisdom and how they impart the knowledge of the wisdom that's critical. Mm -hmm. And also what was really interesting was looking at how they took responsibility for the land that that was where their tribe lived. And that if you went and visited another tribe where they had their land, you would arrive naked, declaring that you had you weren't there to fight you were there to come in and to, to to join them just this desire to connect with them and then all of these really beautiful traditions about how they raise their young and how they instill strong values and they were really strict on those values um and that actually wealth came in the form of not any form of ownership but as but but wealth came in the form of nurturing the land that they lived on um, and relied upon and giving back on a consistent yeah. basis. So we've got a lot to learn from them. Yeah. And, and again, the other thing that I find really interesting in Indigenous cultures is what I call participatory consciousness, that everything is alive, not just humans. And so you're in a relationship. It's a related way of, of not just with other people, but with the land and everything that is on it and the sky and, and so mm -hmm. that gives a deeper, um, you know, because when you, you talked about um, astrology, but it was is also this, these influences and these deep patterns, these deep patterns are not just us as human beings. Um, they're embedded in, in, in what we call life. They are indeed. We could talk for a very long time. I'm absolutely sure of that. But firstly, what I wanted to just say is um, based on your experience of working with um, energy and patterns in, in your chart and just in general using the lens of astrology, how do you, how do you think this form of ancient wisdom can help potentially anybody that's tuning in unlock the pathway to their uh, leadership success or really understanding their innate abilities that they can use to lead their own career. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, that it's finding what has been enduring and what's deep and true. And it doesn't matter what you, know, you can go through down a pathway that is influenced by religion it's influenced by wisdom text it's influenced by philosophy but what are, i'm always interested in what is enduring and why is that enduring 
and where and how you enter that is you enter it through the lens of what makes the most sense for you where you stand mm. um you can't go and use someone else's you know someone um like i do understand some of the concepts of buddhism as an example and a number of my friends have gone down that path but that's not a path that actually resonates for me so if it resonates, whatever resonates for you, you use that path and then you see where it takes you. And the other thing that I'm really interested in is there are some people that have an innate ability to look at the past and then take the past but interpret it into a 21st century uh, model. So that's where the, someone will take something out of philosophy. And if you look at, you know, one of my favourite books is the Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which has taken the Stoic philosophers and made it so accessible to a 21st century person. And it's like being a bestseller book. Or Yuval um, Noah Harari, who, you know, he's got such a brilliant way in, in his work with Sapiens. But, you know, one of the things that I love is, you know, in one of his podcasts, I heard him say, well, you know, up to 200 years ago, and it's interesting you used that reference earlier, mm -hmm. Josephine. Um, before that period, um, God, everything we didn't understand, God was in the sky, all right? So then we became rational, we went through this enlightenment, but now we have technology. And now when you ask anyone, where does it come from? They say, what's well, in the cloud? <laughs> and we're back in the sky again. Um, so we've just had this sort of 200 year blip where we, it wasn't in the sky, but now, you know, like technology's in the sky. So I'm really, they're the people that I'm really interested in how they reinvent old wisdom and bring it forward. And I'm also um, very interested in how I take old, very ancient ideas and how they might apply into the 21st century. And then I'm really interested in engaging with um, Indigenous um, people, wherever they are, because they have a history of um, that they've, they've kept their lineage of these ancient ideas. Mm, beautiful. So, Lindley, thank you so much for joining me in conversation today. What, what can listeners look out for next from you? Um, I don't know because I, I don't have a big view of my future. Uh, all I can say is I take one step at a time and whatever, uh, and I throw a lot. Of, I, I see the future as, you know, a bit like a fairy story. You throw stuff over the wall. You don't know where it's going to end up. And then eventually you throw your cap over the wall too, and then you find yourself in places. And But I do, I think one of the overriding things that I would say is to be able to work with ambiguity and complexity and uncertainty requires a position and the position that I hold is that I never let myself never let the fact that I don't know what I'm doing get in the way of doing it mm. <laughs> and just try things and then just keep innovating and moving it but it's really everyone's got this capacity to work heavily in the present but influencing the future Beautiful, such beautiful, wise words of wisdom. Um, now, listen, thank you again for joining me, but how can people find out more about you if they're interested in exploring your PhD when it comes out or reading more about you? Where's the best place um, for them to find you? Just connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message and 
um, I'm happy to interact with people. Sounds brilliant. Terrific. Lindley, have an amazing day. Thank you, As Justine. always, wonderful to be in conversation and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you would like to know more about me, visit josephinecorcoran.com. I work with individuals and organisations supporting and creating sustainable change in careers and workplaces. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just go to at Josephine Corcoran Holistic Career Coach and like the page. And also my Instagram account at josephine.corcoran. Love to connect with you there. Thanks for listening and I look forward to you joining me for more leadership wisdom here on Astrology for Leaders.